This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome to Enterprise BizBytes. It's me, Rich Bradbury, this morning. We're going to be talking about this concept, this idea uh, that I've been reading a little bit about. Uh, lazy girl jobs is what I've heard. Now, what new ideas will Gen Z bring as they make their way into the workforce? And how will these ideas potentially redefine it? The digitization of media has brought on a plethora of new ideas, especially from the younger generation. I say that through gritted teeth, being not so young anymore. Digital content on social media like TikTok is promoting healthy financial habits to a younger demographic. The boundaries of what defines a prestigious job are constantly being pushed around, with more emphasis being placed on personal fulfillment instead of monetary gain. However, this rise of individualism has brought into question our long-held beliefs of the traditional workplace. Lazy girl jobs are reflective of a rising anti-work sentiment amongst younger generations where people take up low-stress, low-effort jobs which prioritize flexibility and freedom, something that people of my generation would have potentially have dreamt about at one point. Side hustle culture, whilst refreshing, uh, was born out of necessity from the pandemic and sees younger generations taking on multiple careers to make ends meet outside of their general nine to five. So to help give me some insights on this topic today is Mallory Loon. She's the co-founder and lead trainer of Work Inspires. They're a human resource consultancy focused on creating customized learning and engagement programs to help companies grow. Mallory, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Thank you for coming in. So how far off the mark was I then in that introduction about this whole lazy girl job thing, do you think? Okay, firstly, when I read about this lazy girl thing, I'm like, why girl? And guys lazy as <laughs> right, well, right? right? So we talk a little bit about equality, diversity, so much for that. So let's call lazy person job, right? Mm, mm. So when I first, um, that actually reflected me when I started my job. So in my first job, um, I remember that, so then my first job was with the late Nazrin Hassan. And he was... Um, he gave me a lot of flexibility. I remember the first day on a job, he gave me a blank piece of paper and said that, you know what, this is your job description. It's blank. Write your own description. But this is the target you have to meet. Right. So my role then was to roll out a series of entrepreneurial workshop for campus students. Mm. But I had no job description. I had no nine to five. I had no um, fixed time. You have to clock in, clock out. So I remember wearing my jeans, sneakers and shirt to work. And my mom was like, is this how you dressed? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And then I work till 2 in the morning and I sleep until 9, 10. And she's like, why are you so lazy? A person goes to work by 9. And I'm like, but it's called flexibility. Yeah, yeah. And so when this lazy girl concept came about and I'm like, is it really lazy or is it just differences in workplace, mm-hmm. right? And when we talk about social media, I was just having this conversation with a few of my interns, which are all Gen Zs, which I, like you, feel like mm, we're from different planets now. Right, sometimes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, they teach me lingos that I never once understood. Um, but they they were telling me that actually a lot of our culture in Asia differs from the culture in Western. Mm. So when we look at social media trends, uh, TikTok, Reels, whichever not, that covers all these um, quiet quitting, lazy girl hustle, things like that, it 
does it actually reflect what the Asian market looks like? Mm, and that's mm. the question we say like. And so with social media now being very transparent or free across all globes, so whether you're Asia or Western, you have the same kind of content, then it naturally reflects. So I think it does influence the Gen Zs who are currently studying mm. um, because they have not actually seen what is it like working. Yeah, for real. Yes, for real. Quote, quote unquote. Quote, unquote, yes. Yeah, going yeah. to the office, yeah. actually entering the workforce, right? I wouldn't count internship per se because a lot of companies gave a lot of flexibility this mm. internship mm. but when they actually enter the workplace they realise oh I can't behave this way it's a western thing it's not really Asian thing so when I speak to my younger students who were currently working or you know once upon a time interns and they all said that no it does not apply that rule doesn't apply oh interesting yeah so it's it's very much a western culture that kind of becomes like an ideology here right, right, right. but when they come in here Gen Z's today uh, whether you like it or not though they are in the workplace they're still considered a minority mm. comparatively to the Gen Y to Gen X mm, mm. and hence why they do not have as much freedom or flexibility to do as and please mm. you know according to what they want as per social media mm. so I don't think it does create that much of a fact. It does create a warning sign. Like, okay, you can you kind of know that Malaysia, guess what? It's coming, it's coming. Okay, <laughs> take care of it, it's coming. Yeah, so it's coming, but it's not here yet. I think that's what I said. In the same way that we had uh, quiet quitting or, or, or loud quitting even was, was something that yeah. was trending a while ago. The, these um, social media trends, you know, they're, they're transient. They come and go. Do yeah. you think this is perhaps part of that? Yeah, t- completely. Like, we talk about this, right? I We had this trend when the Gen Ys came into the workforce. Yeah. Um, I remember going to Career Fest when I was graduating. And last time, they used to put like, oh, here are your benefits, insurance, dental, and all these things, right? And when I was entering work, it came out as work-life flexibility, mm. work-life balance, mm. you know? Um, great engagement, team building. Those mm. are the things they were selling to Gen Ys. So now with the Gen Z's, they talk work from home, mm. hybrid working. So they were just going to keep selling you different, different things. Mm. So I don't think it's something that's permanent. It's just a trend that will come and go. Um, but it does affect the mental or the thinking or the perception mm. of what the workplace is going to be for those that are currently studying. Where do you think it's, it stemmed from? What, what do you think was the kind of, I, I guess... Um, the the spark of this is it kind of reflective of that traditional uh, office culture, or do you think there's something more behind yeah. it? I think because since the pandemic, when we were coming out of it, so during the pandemic, all companies were looking at you know what, let's take care of the well being of yeah. the people, you know, because we all want to look good for CSR purposes, right, and employer branding. Yeah. So when we passed the pandemic, one year in, engagement was at its best. People were coming back. People were like, oh, I miss you so much. I've not seen you in a while. And now two years passed. Companies are looking to grow. So if you look at the trends in US or Western countries, their logic of growth is cut costs. And mm. there goes massive layoffs. Huge massive layoffs, yeah. 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 And ironically, when they lay off or announce layoff, their share price went up. Mm. So it becomes a trend. Imagine I'm starting work as a Gen Z and this is my first job. And the first thing I see, my ideal company post startup is like, oh, we're going to lay off 5,000 employees across the world. Having read just a few months ago how they're taking so many people on. Yes. Yeah. And there goes, why? If the companies don't care about me, why should I care? Mm. Versus the Asian context where our logic of cut costs is we just stop everything. We don't do any engagement. <laughs> we just don't do any team building. Annual dinners once every two years, you know? We just stop everything, right? But massive layoff is seen as a taboo mm. comparatively to the Western countries where 
layoffs is a norm. It's business as yeah, usual. Yeah, it's business as usual, right? Mm. So, and because of that, I don't blame the Western side of why they need to have this side hustles, quiet or loud quitting, lazy go job because they don't feel appreciated. Mm. Versus here, where companies try their very best to retain as many employees as possible, even though it costs them money. Mm. So, people feel a bit more appreciated in that sense. Mm. Or if, let's say, a company announces that we're going to retrench maybe even 200 employees, the mm. whole, everyone's going to go panic. What do you think the, the kind of, I don't I hate to use this phrase, older generation? Uh, wiser, wiser. Wiser, perhaps, yes. yes yeah. They seem to be less receptive to this idea of uh, lazy person jobs. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? I think, okay, let's talk about human beings, right? Mm. We tend to envy what we don't have. So remember, when I remember when I was starting work, my mom had this logic where I'm going to work really, really hard to retire. And then when I retire, I'm going to go travel. Right. And this generation, we travel every year. Yeah. And my mom always say we waste money and things like that, right? But our logic is that when I'm 50 or 60, I can't go to Disneyland anymore. Like, oh, well, you can. Yes, like, I just can't write anything, right? <laughs> like, I'll probably, I don't know what I'm going to have. I could have slipped this somewhere in between. I could have, you know, high blood pressure, heart issues, whatever, not, especially the food we take these days. So, um, that gives the logic. But with that said, being human beings, we envy what we don't have. So, what we tend to do is we go, okay, you know what? This is your sport generation. Mm. This is, you all are doing this. You're wasting money. You're not saving. jealousy. Yes. Is that what you yeah, say? Yeah, I would say it's a bit of envious, a bit of jealousy. But I think secretly, they kind of admire the guts. So, like, when I have conversation with senior or wiser generations, leaders even, they, they really admire the fact that these people, our younger generations, are willing to try. Mm. And I think the one that had it the most, if you look at generations, is Gen Ys because we were the rebellion group, if you call it, right? Mm. When we came into the workforce, companies went into a panic attack like, who are these new people? Facebook was once banned and now Facebook is a marketing thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a tool. You have to get on Instagram. You have to get on Facebook. Yeah. Those days, it was banned out of social media. No yeah. companies are allowed to use social media. Messaging tools were banned on. Yes, the, and now well. it's a necessity, right? Yeah. So Gen Y's had it hard. Gen Z's kind of had the repercussion of it. And so they kind of had it a lot more easier, I would say, in the sense where, okay, you know what? Um, people are more receptive or accepting. So, and because the Gen Ys were the first to break norm. Mm. So the Gen Zs kind of had it like, okay, you know what? There's nothing entirely new. Mm. Another part I would look at is that those days when they first started, um, accessibility is not there. Look at planes, look mm. at traveling trains, you know? Mm. They don't really have a lot of accessibilities. Compared to today, we have a lot more accessible things. You have Asia, you have a lot of low-cost airlines, cheap lights, you know, cheap hotels, budget Airbnb. Yeah. When our parents started work, they don't have any of these, right? Yeah. So things were expensive, and now things were a lot more accessible. All right. On that note, let's take a very short break. Yeah. Folks, you're tuned into Enterprise BizWise. I'm in the studio with uh, Mallory Loon. She's the co-founder and lead trainer over at Work Inspires. We're having a discussion about lazy girl Jobs, lazy person jobs uh, is what we're calling it. Those jobs where essentially you don't have to do a lot, but get paid for doing not necessarily a lot. More on that when we come back, though. You're tuned into Enterprise Biz Bites here on BFM 89.9. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. My name is Rich Bradbury, and I'm in the studio with Mallory Loon, the co-founder and lead trainer of Work Inspires. Uh, we are discussing the idea of um, 
Gen, I don't want to say Gen Zs because it's not just Gen Zs. This idea that people are calling lazy girl jobs. It's something that was trending on TikTok and a few other places. Now, our observations are that um, there appears to be this general notion that uh, because of this new work ethic, Gen Zs and, and, and so forth are seen as lazy and it's somewhat reflective of, of privilege. Um I don't necessarily agree with that. Do you think that kind of perception is deserved? Yeah, I wouldn't call it lazy entirely or entitled entirely because if you really want to call a person entitled, you can look at their parents, right? So what their parenting, how their parenting style was affected a person's entitlement. But I would, I would say that I think the way they carry themselves is a lot more different comparatively and that makes the entitlement entitlement or laziness as per se. Yeah. I'll give you an example. If um, Gen Y or Gen X enter the workforce, what they try to do is fit into the culture. So if let's say someone joins BFM, mm. you know, they walk in the office, they go, oh, this is how people dress. Let's try mm. to fit in. Mm. Versus the Gen Z, when they walked in the office, their idea, if they could, is to be real, be them. So it's not about fitting in. It's about being myself mm. in the workforce. Mm. And that doesn't necessarily come across as very friendly or welcoming in most organizations. And Particularly to people who aren't. Yes, exactly. Okay. So especially, if, let's say, you know, companies 110 years old, they've been through evolutions of family-owned mm. business. Suddenly you walk in, you go like, I want to change everything. Mm. And we want to revolutionize the world. So people will go like, just because you came from a well-to-do family doesn't mean you can do all this. Mm. So entitlements put on you. But in fact... It could just be as innocent as, hey, we are in a good business. We're leveraging on ESG, leveraging on a past history. We could potentially go there. Mm. So why not? Mm. But because the traditional business doesn't accept it away, they just labeled you as entitled. And people being people, we tend to generalize. So instead of saying this person is like that, we go this generation is like that. Right. So hence why it's commonly labeled as entitled generation. Mm -hmm. But I do know... Um, a lot of younger, younger, much younger than me generations that I can see why they seem entitled. Like I've actually had parents calling me to say, hey, my daughter's looking for a job. And I go, why can't your daughter call me? I'm accessible on social media. I'm everywhere, man. Why can't your daughter call me? I've seen in career fairs where parents walk with their kids and they will stand and they will ask questions and the daughter or son will be standing next to them. And when you see all this, you can't help but you feel sorry for the kid. Like, you know, oh my God, you poor thing. Mm. You're going you're gonna to really suffer when you go to the workplace. Mm. But when you look at the parents and you go, why? Why would you do that? Mm. Like, why would you cause this entitlement title to mm. be placed on them because of your actions, right? Mm. I, I don't blame parents. Sometimes, you know, they know the job market's hard. They're protective of the kids. But that shouldn't that shouldn't be the way. I, I would die if my mother had have asked anybody, if, have you yeah. got a job for my son? Yeah, I would be embarrassed. I yeah, would be exactly. like, it makes me feel useless. Yeah. But not them, actually. Mm. And I've also seen where some of them, I can really see they're really shy, they're mm. really, really introverted. I can see why their parents are worried mm. because they won't even look me in the eye when they talk to me because they're I, just shy. I've noticed that, particularly uh, of kids who have graduated during the pandemic, yeah. you know, who have had like that two years where they've not had as much social interaction. And when they've come here as interns, it's taken us a whole long time to get them used to being, you know, in, in a general Social yeah, situation. True. Mm. And even let's talk about the trend that went on, no, the binary 
identity thing, right? So I had one mentee when I asked her, so how are you feeling? She said this to me, I identify myself as a Wi-Fi. And I just go, dear Lord, it happened to me. It's here. When I was watching all these trends on social media, I was like, oh, it's not going to happen to us, right? We are still logical. It's male, female. We're fine. When she said, I identify myself as a Wi-Fi, my heart dropped and I go, you poor child. Mm. And I, I and then I go like, okay, let's try to understand it. So I ask her, why Wi-Fi? Not all things, right? Why not anything else? And she said that because some days I'm connected, some days I'm not. Interesting. Makes sense, right? Interesting, yeah. So I ask her, so how connected are you today? Well, I'm feeling 3G. <laughs> and I went, oh, this 3G feels like... <laughs> But that's that. So I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to tell her off. I just wanted, okay, let's just respect her. Let her respect her point of view. And let's just try to understand. Mm. As I speak to her more, I realize it's because she couldn't express herself anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And plus the pandemic, she really couldn't talk to anyone. Right. And so she just don't know how to express how she's feeling mm. before using this, I identify myself mm. as something. And I suppose for her, it empowers her as well. It gives her her own identity and, and, and allows her to just say straight up, this this is how I am. Yeah. Deal with it or, or don't deal with it. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Because if, let's say, someone asks you, how are you feeling? And mm. you said, I'm not okay. What's your mm. response? Like mm. when someone says, I'm not okay, you'll be like, oh, what do I do now? Right. You feel awkward, right? Yes. Mm. So with her, this gives her a safe space to mm. express how she feels without feeling that. And I think that's where a lot of there's a reason why these trends are on social media, right? Mm. It's because someone felt something mm. and a lot of people relate and hence why it's trending. Let, let's talk a little bit about uh, future employability then. Mm. You know, if this whole thing, and we've seen this as well, in particular, I'm guessing people from my generation and from your generation were, um, I guess, more, I don't Loyal to a degree, you know, we'd, it was the norm to stay with a company for a few years, yeah. four or five years, maybe six or seven, whatever. And that was seen as a big thing. Whereas we're now obviously observing people who will come in, they may have 16, uh, six months, eight months, and then they'll hop on and go somewhere else. Yeah. Do you think seeing that on somebody's resume and on their CV will affect their future employability? I think a lot of people have accepted it. Mm. So it's not really a... Uh, it will not affect you much. They'll probably ask you why. But if uh, I think the common norm now or the safe years will be about one to two years. Anything less than that will come as a red flag for mm. most people uh, looking at resumes wise. But I think it comes back to do we give people enough room to kind of find what they like to do? Mm. So that's a question of throwback to all the campuses and companies, right? Or parents for the matter. Because gen-wise, the reason why they stay about two years is because it's common that when we finished school, we didn't know what we want. So we studied what we, you know, studied. Mm. But then again, the Gen Zs, most of them get to choose what they study compared to the gen-wise. We went past the doctor, lawyer, engineers um, era. and But now the job market changes too fast. Every five years, a new job comes up. Every three years, a new job comes up. Is that is that why you think we're seeing less people looking for these prestigious prestigious jobs? Yeah. doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because come on, realistically, every job can be replaceable now. Eventually, in mm. some ways, right? If you mm. don't upskill, reskill, redesign job scopes, every basic jobs can be replaced someday mm. with some technology somewhere. Uh, someone develop something. But if, let's say, we didn't give them room to kind of really find, okay, where can you grow from this? You studied, imagine I studied, let's say, marketing today. 
And five years from now, when I or three years from now when I graduated, marketing is a whole new thing. Totally different. Yeah. So what I studied, technically it's there, but not really usable anymore, mm. right? Mm. And so it comes back to I need to find new jobs. Mm. I need to find jobs that I won't stay. I won't be. Uh, I'll be able to use my degree, or I'll be able to, you know, grow from there. And all this affects how long a person stays. I mean, when I was at uni studying marketing as as part of my degree, one of the big modules was all about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Oh. Right <laughs> now, how old is that? I think that was the fifties. I yep. think was a, was it originally you know came around. Maybe even earlier. You speak to people now of, of any generation. Uh, other than perhaps mine, they'll be like, what, what on earth is that? And how does that affect marketing nowadays? Yeah, they yeah. don't. That's why, That's why. Um, I don't know, maybe a certain level, education needs to be revamped. Mm. Maybe in a certain way, allowing these students to be able to continuously explore the market, the industry, mm. would help them stay relevant. Mm. And that keeps loyalty because they know that, okay, I found this and this is where I want to go. Mm. And even a recent thing that came up quite frequently, so... I do a lot of engagements on well-being and recently a common or popular topic is Ikigai. Yeah. And Ikigai has been around, right? Yeah. But recently it's popping up all over the place again and we realised it's because people are trying to find this integration now, mm. right? Mm. And so how can we then teach these young people to start looking for their Ikigais or, or sort early so mm. that they don't hop that much? Mm. And that affects you know, the loyalty of the company, that affects how fast the company can grow. Mm. And also, when they can identify their needs, they will know where to grow. Whether it's a startup, whether it's an MNC, a GLC, you know, maybe they start their own, maybe they're part of the gig economy. Mm. So there are many, many opportunities now, but they need to find it and mm. they need time to find it. I, I, I'd also argue, Mallory, that sometimes for some people, Ikigai is, uh, searching for Ikigai is Ikigai. Yeah. You know, because I've, I haven't, even though I've been doing this for 20-something years, this is not my Ikigai, you know. Mm. But And I've had this discussion with a lot of people who have managed to find exactly the perfect thing that defines them, you know, and makes them perfectly happy. And I am so envious of that sometimes. And and so I have, I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not finding my Ikigai? And I think part of it is because I'm constantly searching for it. Yeah. And that is something I enjoy doing, weirdly enough. Yeah, and that's all right as long as you enjoy doing it, right? And I think that's also where we can't expect if jobs can change, roles can change, mm. we can't expect everyone to stay firm with a specific role organization for mm. a long time anymore mm. because their value change, people change. One day you're Gen Z, you're graduating, you want this. When you're a parent, you want something else. Mm. When your kids are grown up, you want something else. Mm. So how can you expect someone to really stay that long? Mm. And if a company changes job scope every two to three months, two to three years, mm. same goes with the person working. So we've been talking about hustle culture a little bit. Yeah. That, and that seemed to be something that was very big uh, for millennials. That seemed to be, I, I hate using these you know, tags, but millennials were the ones that seemed to be uh, nose to the grindstone, working any hour that was sent to them. And then we moved on to the next generation who were like, less so. Yeah. Are you seeing that uh, shift as well, the less of the hustle culture and more towards something else? I think it's how you define what's hustle. Mm. Like, for example, the if you talk to certain Gen Ys, they just like to keep themselves occupied, right? So they are the high they are the high flyers yeah. who like to be part of everything and anything under the sun that gets them involved in things. And then you have those that just want money. So they'll do any side job that gets them money. Mm. And then you have those that 
do a lot of other things that doesn't bring in money. So it's also a form of hustling, but it's maybe their balance. So give, for example, they could be working 9 to 5 or 9 or more than 9 to 5 in any other job. And then when it comes to any other free time they have, they go play music, they go play their video games. That could be their hustle. It's something that drives their passion, their fuel. It gives them the excitement. Mm. It's just not quantifiable by societal norms mm. and it's not monetary. Could be their third space. Yeah, yeah. but it's their hustle. Mm. So I think it comes back to what you define hustle is and how do you define hustle. Mm. That's it. One last question before before you leave then. Yep. As we talk about more uh, Gen Z is coming into the workforce, um, what changes do you expect to see in the next five years? And, and something that I have observed is that you have Gen X and Gen Y um, who tend to be fairly straight-laced, straight up and down to a degree. And then you have the Gen Zers who are coming in and there's going to be I, – I, I foresee a clash of these straight-up people and these ones that are a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. I think you're right, for sure. Um, but another thing to consider is talking about industrial revolution, right? So mm. we talk about how these affect generation is because the trends in industrial revolution get shorter and shorter. It went from the first 1.0 to 2.0 to 120 years. Mm. And then it's every 10 years, and now it's five years. Yeah. So you can imagine that... Um, changes will happen really, really fast. Now, I would be, a, the Gen X by then would be very much senior. The Gen Ys would be the future leaders at that point mm. in any organization. Yeah. I would be a little bit concerned of the Gen Ys, actually. Why? Because we grew up, Gen Ys grew up in a point where everything was transitioning, right? We went from black and white to colored, non-touch screen to touch screen. We had those dial-up internet yes. to Wi-Fi. So we didn't get to learn a lot of things by foundation, we had to pick up a lot of things as we progress versus the Gen Zs learn everything by foundation. Mm. So their knowledge capacity, their, the way of adaptability is a lot more faster than the Gen Ys. But these Gen Ys are the future leaders already. They are mm. going to be in the position of mm. future leaders, right? So by then, the concern would be, are they adaptive enough or receptive enough or learn quick enough to still be a good leader to the Gen Zs? Mm. They are going to be your minus ones. Mm. So imagine a Gen Y is a CEO, and this will be your head of departments. Are you as fast as them? Adaptable as them? Quicker than them? I think that is the question, that would be the concern, actually. Mm. For the Gen Zs, the worrisome part would be if their bosses are not as adaptive, then will they stay or will they grow the company? Mm. So what I would recommend organizations to start doing is to create an empowering system, which guidelines, with guidelines in a sense, because I think what the Gen Z need is the freedom of a safe space, but within guidelines on where can they now explore their creativity. Mm. Of course, I'm saying that these are mainly for those who are, you know, they thrive to do so. But there are many, many of those that don't want to, mm. which is, you know, that's why we have employees and leaders. But for those that can, give them the space to innovate and grow within the organization values, competencies and guidelines, and then you will be able to keep them. Mm. Mallory, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Folks, I've been in the studio with Mallory Loon. She is the co-founder and lead trainer over at Work Inspires. We've been discussing lazy girl jobs, Gen Z, Gen Y. Uh, sorry, lazy people jobs. Is yes, what lazy it. people. Uh, don't go anywhere, though, of course. Uh, there's more stuff coming up after the one o'clock news. We have the uh, Breakfast Grill replay. Uh, we're going to have some music to take us up there. And, of course, we'll be back same time, same place tomorrow. And if you did miss any part of this show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. I recommend the BFM app. It's in the Apple App Store or Google Play. 
BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.